0: Number one, most powerful thing you can do is connect more with that inner voice of yours. I really cannot stress this enough. We struggle for knowledge, for answers, for certainty. All we really need is to take a step back, let go of the inner struggle and listen. Welcome to the INF Club podcast. I'm Jazz Hoti and this is the podcast for INFJs and INFPs and other intuitives and highly sensitive to provide you with nourishment, understanding and inspiration as you navigate your journey. Whether you are listening for the first time or you have tuned in previously, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. Whether you're here for the first time or you're a returning listener or viewer, if you're seeing this on YouTube, it's lovely to have you here. So today's the last recording of this year and I'm going to be sharing with you how you can find happiness in 2021 and beyond. To be content to thrive, to grow, to heal, to live in alignment, to be our authentic selves. To me, these are all different ways of saying, I want to be happy. It was about five years ago that I found myself in a soul-sucking job Living a life that was very much out of alignment for me. I ended up leaving this job to study a master's in positive psychology, sometimes called the science of happiness, in an attempt for me to better understand how we can be happy as human beings. And most of all, at the time, if I'm being completely honest with you, how I could be happy. I wrote and then published the short guide that I'm going to be narrating to you today in the summer of 2019. It was published on my blog, Introvert Jedi, which eventually became INF club. The things that I talk about were applicable to me five years ago, probably even 10 or 15 years ago. And I feel they'll still be applicable 10 or 15 years from now. At the end of the recording, I'll share how you can receive a print copy of the short guide that I've called Happier, a guide for sensitive introverts, AKA for INFPs, INFJs, and anyone else who resonates with being a sensitive or intuitive introvert. So do pause for a moment, take a breath, and then sit back and relax for today's episode. I hope you find it both nourishing and reflective. Now, let's begin. Creating and living your best life. A guide for sensitive introverts. three-part trilogy, episode one, an introduction, episode two, my story, episode three, steps you can take today to discover your inner Jedi. Episode one, an introduction. Firstly, thank you for downloading this guide. It means a great deal that you are here And that our tiny paths have somehow collided within this gigantic universe. Quite simply, this is the starter pack that I wish I had possessed five years ago when I felt stuck, unfulfilled, and helpless in my job. Really, very helpless. What followed was to be the start of a special journey of reflection and action in equal parts to be honest with you there was a lot more reflecting going on than action to start with in the present in the process rather i've learnt more and more about my introversion and sensitivity whilst aligning myself with the path i want to be on in both work and life the two intersect after all i hope that this for you is the start of something equally special. My feeling is that we all have our own hero's journey waiting for us, just like Luke Skywalker. Here's to that journey and may the force be with us all. Episode two, my story. The early days. I was born in a place outside of Southwest London. I would love to say it was called Tatooine, but alas, it's not. Each of the three places I've lived so far have all been within just a few miles of one another. I'm a June birthday, a Gemini, and an INFP personality type, if you're into Myers-Briggs. My grandparents were born in Punjab, northern India, and arrived here in England in the 1960s. My parents both came from pretty humble backgrounds and worked hard to give themselves and their two children a decent middle-class life. My brother's five years younger than I am and like siblings do, we share our similarities as well as our differences. The childhood days. As a kid, I was cute and well-behaved, so I'm told. I remember many a family wedding where I'd sit patiently and without fuss through the whole two-hour ceremony. Other kids would be racing around. I was quite content to sit there and daydream. I remember taking my homework and my grades seriously from day one. And I also remember being briefly bullied by this other kid for a little while. At primary or elementary school, The apparatus in gym class, which we call PE, or physical education here in the UK, used to terrify the hell out of me. I used to freeze and cry the more I was encouraged to walk and balance on the apparatus. A couple of feet off of the ground, but a couple of feet higher than I wanted to be, thank you very much. I remember bursting into tears at one point, over a piece of homework. It had all gotten too much for me. Jim, Jim apparatus, the annoying little bully, Chris what was his name, homework. Thank goodness my parents were perceptive enough to act very quickly and move me to another nicer school. The secondary high school days. So we say secondary school in the UK, and I know in the, in the US, it's called high school. And perhaps in different parts of the world, those two things are interchangeable. I was a nice guy who got on with everyone. Kinda knew everyone was a geek if there was any crowd that he was a part of, and yet was never really part of any crowd in particular. The nickname of the scientist, was both endearing and um, not ideal for a teenager. I kept myself to myself a lot and my life was school, then homework, then sleep, and then school again. This is how it was throughout primary school and then into secondary. Blindly jumping through hoops, Yeah. I was a curious learner. I found a lot of subjects fascinating, whether it was ancient Rome or world war two, or creative writing or space, the sheer variety of these subjects kept me sufficiently engaged up until the age of 16. Then it came to choosing what I call a levels here in the UK, which in turn, Would determine the course at university you would and could apply to in some cases. Of the prestigious courses I had set my sights on, I chose medicine. Chemistry, biology, and math, what we call maths here in the UK, were the ones I chose. All of a sudden, even the fun stuff in those subjects became very dull. I think I prefer the breadth of the dozen-ish subjects I had enjoyed before all of this choice malarkey. After five years of the same classmates day in and day out, with these choices came entirely new classmates, which I found all quite unfamiliar and disorientating. I was a little, a lot rather, lost, confused, innocent. Naive. All of those things. I became a victim of the grammar school to university to, pre- to prestigious job conveyor belt, jumping through the hoops without question until all of a sudden shit got real and I felt rudderless. To share a quote by Emily Wapnick. As we get older, what do you want to be when you grow up goes from being a fun exercise in daydreams to a more serious, more anxiety-inducing question for many of us. I've no idea how it was possible to know what to do at that age. As Emily, Wap- as Emily Wapnick describes, there's a point at which that question, what do you want to do when you grow up, goes from sweet and innocent and funny when as a kid we say things like spaceman or secret agent to a few years later when we suddenly have to have a serious answer and no, it's unrealistic. It just isn't possible. There are few and far between who know what they want to be whilst they're at school and then go on and do that career and thrive in it. The university, AKA college, school days. So university in the UK is what's called college over in the States. Again, those two terms might be used interchangeably um, in different countries. University was hard. I felt even more like an alien than I had at school. My familiar life of school, home, school, Life suddenly came to an end. I was suddenly in this place with all this freedom and I just didn't feel ready. With the help of my family, I packed my bags and they dropped me off to my student accommodation. And then that was it. Doing a course I had pretty much plucked out of a hat, law, at the last minute. I tried to get on board with the whole go out and party type vibe, but it just left me feeling exhausted and empty. I didn't really know who I was back then, and I certainly didn't find my people. I'd locked myself up in my room for days, exhausted and frustrated, with no direction or purpose, and just really lost. Much of this was avoidance, escapism. I found I can be pretty good at that. And it's an ongoing work in progress to rein this stuff in. Just like it did at university, it often takes the form of some sort of mobile or Mac-based procrastination. When I dropped out of university for a second time, I wanted to get to work. My parents were also concerned I was wasting my life away. The world was still feeling the effects of the global financial crisis of 2007. So the economy was still suffering and it was tough for graduates and other young people. I was still drawn to people though and also at the time to money. Recruitment ticked both of those boxes and I didn't need a degree to do it. It was only a few weeks into recruitment that I knew it wasn't my calling. But I needed to do something. I needed some stability and some routine. And actually, I learned a lot doing recruitment. I really came out of my shell and learned to wear a very effective sales mask. I mean that in a good way. I learned the ways of the world, the confidence to engage with folks older than I was to feel like I was in a position of authority or partnership as this recruitment consultant. My inner confidence in a professional working domain developed and grew. I connected very well with people just by being myself. It's something that continues to serve me well in work and in my life today recruitment company one and my first company my boss was an <laughs> bleep hole <laughs> and a micromanager and the culture wasn't great with the working hours 8:30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and often later with a 75 to 90 minute commute each way i didn't then know about my introversion or my sensitivity But it's no wonder that i found myself exhausted and depleted of energy at the end of each week recruitment company two i left this big recruitment firm to join a much smaller one with a far better culture it had a nicer more family-like feel and i had more autonomy to operate as me without the micromanagement in 2014 I finished the year as the number five top performer in the whole company, and I was the youngest person in that top five in terms of both age and recruitment experience. There was less of a be seen to be working late in the office culture, but both mind and body were very tired at the end of each week. Most Thursdays, I'd go to the pub with colleagues, exhausting myself even more. Through so much social interaction and not enough sleep, not to mention the drink, this was not a good combination for me. The void emerges. Now, up until that point, I think it was a sheer competition, for example, the intercompany league table, that kept me going. It felt a little again like school, where one could gain, where one could gain kudos through good, through good grades, and it was a case of fighting for pride just that now there was no longer good grades that earned your pride here it was money for the company and of course that equates to more money in your pocket too the thing is much of what i was doing was moving someone from one company to a similar company doing a similar role perhaps with slightly more seniority and a little bit more money that's it and I just didn't give a and I just didn't give SHIT about it. The banking industry was far from being one of my favorite industries. I was living out of alignment. It left me feeling frazzled and disconnected from who I was. My inner voice felt like it was getting louder and louder. A key turning point came in two thousand and fourteen. December, 2014. In fact, I was sat at our office Christmas party, having just been presented with the employee of the year award earlier that evening, an award I shared with a colleague of mine. It was as if time then slowed down. I was so disconnected from the lively tipsy conversations happening all around me. And even from the music in the place, which from what I recall, wasn't actually that bad. Everyone around me was drinking, talking loudly, generally having a good time. I very much felt like the odd egg out. It was a feeling I don't think I'll ever forget. A week away with my family in February of 2015 helped everything become very clear. After an amazing run in 2014, in terms of recruitment and my billings, my earnings. What's called your pipeline in recruitment. This year also got off to a shambolic start for me, work-wise. I had a big pipeline of recruitment deals that all fell through. Looking back, I think this was the universe giving me a sign. I had some time and headspace to actually let things simmer whilst I was on this uh, week away with my family in Barbados and I had also recently started using the headspace meditation app I just knew that my time in recruitment was up and that I had to make a change I'd already started reading career change books and blogs stories of folks who had moved away from their dull corporate careers to do something that was more them My inspiration at the time was growing, but it was overwhelming with so many options available and the belief I had in myself was low. I read books a lot. As mentioned, I was doing a lot of reading in this time. I've been gorging on psychology and self-help since my early 20s, and then I stumbled across positive psychology after reading a book called Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar. It was on our bookshelf at home. My dad likes books too. I think I must get my insatiable curiosity from him. Psychology was something I had found extremely interesting and this new science of happiness was calling out to me. I also had some unfinished business with university, having dropped out of a bachelor's twice. This was the opportunity to gain a master's in something. I was very interested in, excuse me, and give myself a year to really explore what I wanted to do. A new beginning. I handed in my notice the day I received an email offer confirmation from the University of East London, UEL, one of just five in the UK to offer the Masters in Applied Positive Psychology. Alongside the Masters, I did a three month career changes course with an organization called Escape the City. There was a lot of information gathering and reflection, which I'd been doing for a long time already. And with lectures at uh, University of East London, only a couple of days every three weeks, I became very isolated and in my head. With so much free time during my study, I think I was supposed to be reading lots of academic journals, but hey-ho. I was trying to figure out from science and books what to do with my life. I felt hopeless. I reached one of my lowest ebbs when the master's, when the master's program ended. And the education business I started building just didn't work out. I did, however, run a pilot program for a aforementioned education business, which I am proud of. A quiet place. I found myself procrastinating online a lot and what started out as avoiding going out became real reluctant, real reluctance to leave the house. I remember going to the gym, which had often been a place of kind of sanctuary and for me to reconnect and to give myself a lift. And this time I was at the gym, I just felt really paranoid the whole time about others watching me and being able to tell that something wasn't right with me. My mum realised that something was going on. She coaxed me into getting myself checked out. I went to see a psychiatrist who told me I was displaying symptoms of a bit of depression and anxiety. I didn't believe the diagnosis at first. Did those labels help me? Who knows? But crucially, This was the start of my self-care journey, and I am so, so grateful for it happening. Cue medication, group therapy, and individual therapy. It was much needed, again, timing. The medication was the short-term strategy to help level me out a little, but the medium to longer-term strategy was figuring out the things that were slash are good for my mental, physical, and emotional well-being. While some of this sounds so black and white and scientific, I feel that issues of the mind and soul are, in general, not black and white at all. The exact opposite, in fact. Managing my introversion and high sensitivity slash empathy has been a huge part of this. I've learned that us sensitive souls can manage our energy in specific ways. Us introverted deep thinkers, we can manage our thoughts in specific ways. Our minds, bodies and souls, like our thoughts and feelings, are linked in ways we don't fully understand. Ongoing self-care. I've implemented various things into my life. Getting enough sleep, yoga, journaling, nourishing friendships and family relationships and also being selective about these and generally just respecting my boundaries and my energy more. For me, I realized the key to my happiness is looking after my mind, body and soul by honoring my energy. It's amazing how far just keeping the fundamentals in order can go. For example, sleep, movement, nutrition, water, learning these things about myself and integrating various things into my life. I now operate from a place of greater calm and balance. This healthier me is brought to my work and my life. I continue to share what I've learned and continue to learn. It is an ongoing work in progress over at introvert Jedi or rather INF club now, and in the newsletters I send each month. The journey continues. Work is very important to us introverts and empaths. It is an extension of our identity, our souls even. My journey has been a real zigzag. Ups and downs, stumbles and falls, leaps and leap backs. It was this unhappiness with my job that was weighing on me for so long, and which was really the start of this journey of mine. It is my feeling that everything happens for a reason. My journey has set me on a path that has led me to really embrace who I am and what I want. This not only applies to work, but other areas of my life too, whether it's relationships, money, where I live, my creative projects outside of work. And so on i'm closer to my best self than i ever have been and yet i feel not as close to it as i will be this time next year i wish you the best of luck on your journey may this quest to find the work to suit your life style so i wrote life and then i put style in brackets life lifestyle bring you much joy and nourishment and perhaps even a whole lot more that you hadn't anticipated. I hope you steer yourself towards a path that is more you. And remember, the most important thing you can do is develop a relationship with that inner voice of yours, with your gut, and you will see and feel what happens for you. Episode three, Your Jedi Roadmap. So now you've heard a little bit about my, my backstory. There are no easy magic shortcuts to finding and creating the work and life that nourishes you. But there is a roadmap which can help show you the way, illuminate the path, if you like. Things that you can do right now, if you're feeling dissatisfied with your current job or some other aspect of your life or if you're feeling exhausted or just slightly off in whatever way that might be. The impact of having a job and living a life you're more aligned with is quite phenomenal. Inevitably with work forming such a significant part of our lives and our identities, us introverts and empaths really need our work to nourish us. This is why tackling the work part of our lives is a good place to start. Knowing you're not unhappy, but being unclear on which direction to take is one of the most difficult things one can contend with. I think actually I I meant to say knowing you're not happy, but being unclear on which direction to take is one of the most difficult things you can contend with. The following pages are to help you move forward. <laughs> Take a break. In amongst the day-to-day hecticness of life, it's very difficult for us to know what to do. I'm imagining a snow globe where that's been shaken and all the snow is moving everywhere, and there's just a bit of a sense of kind of inner chaos. And I think of when I was working in recruitment and I was constantly busy and frazzled. We're not in the right headspace or body space for that matter to think or act rationally nor crucially to listen to our intuition. Taking some time off can allow for this, whether it's just a week or two away, a retreat, a sabbatical, whatever it is, taking some time off can be a really good thing for you. Start putting pen to paper. Journaling has been one of the most powerful things I've started to do and continue to do daily. I should say actually mostly daily, and I definitely go through phases where I'm doing it more and doing it less. Um, but it could be but I think this would be an awesome daily practice to have if ever you were looking to have one. It helps me organize my thoughts and reflect making realizations. I wouldn't otherwise make a friend of mine described it as writing, described it as writing, helping you untangle this ball of yarn. In this case, that ball of yarn, I think in a lot of cases for us, the ball of yarn may be a bit chunky and knotty, but writing may help you start to untangle some of those knots and break that chunky ball down. Especially when it comes to making important decisions, I really use my journaling to help me get my thoughts out and it helps clarify what I'm feeling and ultimately decide what to do. Join a community. There is nothing more than going through something really difficult than doing so with another bunch of people going through the same thing. And again, I feel I actually might be narrating from a slightly early version of this. So there's a couple of, uh, couple of mistakes I've spotted. But I, I think I'm, this is meant to say there's nothing more amazing, there's nothing more powerful than going through something really difficult than doing so with another bunch of people going through the same thing. Career-wise, communities like Escape the City and Live Your Legend are examples of these but you'll probably find many others on meetup and in other places, online and offline. As someone who did a lot, a lot of peeking under the covers before I took any action, i.e., delving into stories and blogs online, you know, procrastinating, getting involved in a real life community was an absolute game changer for me. Really, really powerful. Give yourself some time to play. One of the things I was encouraged to do when I went through my own three-month career changes course was just to get curious and playful in an almost childlike manner. It might be doodling. It might be another creative outlet. I've already mentioned journaling. It might be a sport or hobby that you used to derive joy from but have left by the wayside. Or else something you've always been drawn to but never gotten around to doing. Go out there and do it. Expose yourself to new situations. Shake up your routine a little bit. And you may be surprised as to the feedback you get and the perspectives that are shifted. Think about what lifestyle you would like. Especially if you find yourself in the what do I do with my life territory. Rather than put so much pressure on the actual job you want to do, the industry you want to work in, whether you want to be employed or self-employed, all this stuff, think about the lifestyle you'd like to have. You may find that having flexibility is just as important or even more important than the nature of the company that you're working for or the work that you're doing. That's exactly what I found out when I went back to a role um, for about a year in financial services, but this time with a very small company and working for them on a remote basis. Determine what your minimum viable income is. This is important. If you're making a career-related transition, you might initially have to take a hit on the income side. I certainly have. However, figure out exactly how much you need, not necessarily what you want. You may be surprised at what that figure is, how much you actually need to survive and thrive. This isn't about living somewhere terrible and eating canned soups for dinner every night what's enough for you and how much extra do you need for your personal enjoyment each month right i think we've got this like foundational like living i need this to live off and then there's like a a little bit you might add on top for you know nice to haves and that'll look different for different people there's no judgment here one person's minimum viable income which Just to clarify, I see as the actual absolute limit with some sort of little nice topping that you can use for extra stuff because um, if you can help it, you might choose to. Living to the absolute limit might not feel so great. No judgment. One person's minimum viable income will be different to the next person's. But at least knowing this figure will give you clarity and reassurance that taking a cut In income might not be as bad as you thought it might be. Meet inspiring people. And I'm going to share a quote by Scott Dinsmore Being vulnerable means knowing who you are and having the courage to share it with the world, to show up not as who you want to be or who people think you should be, but as you and welcoming however the world reacts to it. Live your legend. Rule number one is as follows. Surround yourself with passionate people. Get curious. Start talking to people. People you know directly. Leverage your existing network. Reach out to people you didn't know yet. Reach out to people you don't know yet. Invite them for coffee. This might sound terrifying at first but you might be surprised at just how effective this can be and how warm and open other people can be. Is there there someone you look up to who you're intrigued by? Ask if you can interview them. Most will be flattered, and you never know where these conversations will lead. This is also a great way for you to be able to get feedback on a particular job or sector that you might be interested in working in, whether you want to be an employee or you would like to do your own thing. You never know where these conversations might lead. Have them. Get emailing, folks. Oh, and some of these just might lead to really nourishing friendships. That is exactly what happened to me. There may also be a thread between those folks you feel inspired by, and this could actually give you vital clues as to what you want to do. I know that I was drawn when I was doing this kind of research and work five, six years ago now. I was joined to folks like Scott Dinsmore, Chris Gielbo, Corbett Barr, Michaela Chum, all of whom had built online communities and were selling products or coaching and or coaching. I didn't realize it at the time, but deep in my subconscious, that's actually what I wanted to do. Commit to taking small actions. One of the easiest traps, which I've alluded to already, that you can fall into is going into analysis paralysis mode and getting stuck in a rut. Taking action is just... I don't even know what words I can use to highlight this, so I'm going to get a little dramatic here. Action is the magic source. You cannot go anywhere or grow into something new without taking action. Excuse me. so sorry Had like eggs and toast for lunch and i'm clearly feeling quite full so (laughs) apologies to share a quote by leah Babalta, another one of those uh bloggers who built online communities and were selling products and coaching leo has a had a quote that said knowing thousands of recipes Doesn't knowing thousands of recipes doesn't feed you, unless you start cooking. It might be meet one or two interesting people for coffee this week, or mind map what I want my ideal job to look like, or find a comic book meetup to attend by this date. Whatever you do, do something. Do something, however small, however tiny. Do something, and don't stay in your head. The longer you do the deeper you can get into that rut, the more more frustrating it gets, and crucially, your reality will not change. Bonus, once you start meeting like-minded souls, you can set up little accountability pairs or groups to inspire and motivate one another. Accountability is very powerful. And actually with that in mind, that's how I got into the whole mastermind groups thing. I came across mastermind groups through Live Your Legend, I then started my own. Um, I've started hosting mastermind groups for INF Club. I ran the first cohort earlier this year, and I'll be doing uh, another cohort in 2021, which I'm really looking forward to because mastermind groups are amazing. Consider getting yourself a coach. If you're feeling stuck, talking to someone non judgmental might be really helpful. You can just show up as yourself and just be. And some coaches might brand themselves as career coaches. Others may be live coaches who work with things which aren't just career related. Really it's all down to the connection and relationship you have with the coach. And you can normally get a good kind of intuitive vibe from someone's um, presence online, like their website, their social media, like you'll get a flavor of them and their kind of vibe. Each coach should have a, each coach, I, say, I think should have, I'm not sure. I think it's more appropriately, I'll say each coach tends to have a certain style and approach. Some are more directive, others more non-judgmental. For introverts, or sensitive introverts and empaths, non-judgmental is usually the way to go. And skillful coaches here will ask you questions to guide you towards making your own realizations, aka your own aha moments, and then coming to your own decisions. Um, with that in mind, studies show that when it comes to coaching or therapy or any such relationship, that's one on one, it is the relationship between the two individuals that determines how effective and powerful the results can be, which is why it's all about the vibe and the connection between the two of you. In other words, if you're feeling the vibe with your coach or therapist, you're on to something good. There are some amazing coaches out there these days. For example, Lawrence Appala, who is a writer and writing coach with books such as The INFJ Writer and Firefly Magic, heart-powered marketing for highly sensitive writers. And finally, the number one most powerful thing. the Number one most powerful thing you can do is connect more with that inner voice of yours. I really cannot stress this enough We struggle for knowledge, for answers, for certainty. All we really need is to take a step back, let go of the inner struggle, and listen. Take a break. Start doing yoga or meditation. Get journaling. I can't overstate just how important it is for you to start developing a relationship with this intuition of yours leaning into it to help with your decision-making process. It'll be something which might take a little time, but before you know it, you'll realize just how important this relationship is. When we are struggling with something, we tend to distract ourselves or just read more and more and more to search for the answer. What I try to do more of these days is actually be still. Ground myself, recenter myself, and listen to what my heart and body are telling me. As sensitive introverts, we have a force within us right there waiting to connect with us, to guide us, to lead us. The force is right there within you. I hope you enjoyed today's recording. I feel that these are principles the principles i mentioned are principles which apply to me in my life, like today. And I hope that they help you, whether you're listening to or watching this in real time, and you're thinking about what you would like for yourself in the, in the next year, twenty twenty one. Or you're listening some other time and you just needed a helpful gentle nudge in the right direction this inner work is kind of continual gentle sometimes not so gentle ongoing work if you're not yet content in your work or in your life or anywhere in between I hope this served as a guide to help you I just want you to know that wherever you are right now is totally okay there is hope the written print version of this guide is a PDF document that's in color complete with pictures including pictures of me as well as links I'm sharing it with my existing subscribers in this week's <laughs> newsletter and um, if you're obviously not coming on my newsletter, I have good news. Anyone who subscribes over at infclub.net will also be sent to a welcome page where they can view and download a copy of this happier guide if they so wish. I mentioned that this is my last recording of the year. I'm actually taking my own advice, the very same advice that I've been narrating, and taking a break over Christmas and the holiday season to reground, recharge, Spend quality time here at home with my family, and just be for a little while, so that I can come back in, in so that so that I can come back in January, being refreshed, feeling energised, and hopefully with a little more clarity. I wish you a peaceful, restful, and pleasant end to the year, and I look forward to seeing you on the flip side in the new year. Until then, bye for now. So that's it for today's episode. If you're enjoying listening to the show, you might wish to dive in a little deeper by heading over to www.infclub.net there you can subscribe to my free newsletter and you'll find more little pieces to help you on your journey as well as a community of infjs and infps thank you for listening today and i'll see you next time